The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. The two disciples recounted what had taken place on the way and how Jesus was made known to them in the breaking of bread. While they were still speaking about this, he stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. Then he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do questions arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet, that it, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. And as he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While they were still incredulous for joy and were amazed, he asked them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of baked fish. He took it and ate it in front of them. He said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. The Gospel of the Good morning, everybody. Good morning. And again, uh, before we dive into these readings, thank you for uh, the potluck. Praise the Lord. Huh? That is my, uh, so you may have heard it, this, God has given me 41 years on this earth so far. So praise God. And so again, thank you for all, all the many gifts that have been coming in. So I'm very grateful. I'll be sure to take that money to the casino after my <laughs> I have a feeling about number, number seven. Number seven. But also, before we dive into the reading, just... Uh, some good news. If you recall a couple of years ago, we used to have this beautiful tradition on the Saturday vigils during Easter or during summertime when we'd have that outdoor mass, but then things, certain things happened when we could no longer have the outdoor mass. And so we were searching and searching and searching for an alternative because we were getting tons of calls from many of the tourists that were coming. You know, many of the tourists that go camping in the lakes, uh, basins area and camp around the area there in Gray Eagle, it's a yearly thing for them. It's almost like a beautiful tradition. And all of a sudden, they had no mass. And so people were calling, what happened? What happened? And so we were desperately trying to search for an alternative to bring it back. At first, we approached the owners of Plumas Pines, the golf course there, and they were willing to host us and to have it on their golf course, that beautiful area there. But we couldn't quite get the schedule lined up. There's so many conflicts, so that fell through. And then one of our main parishioners, uh, Dan Gallagher, many of you know him. He mostly goes to Mass in Portola. He works for Nokoma, 
And the owners of Nokoma also own the Feather River Inn. They own a huge swath of land in the whole Grego area. And so Dan, on my behalf, approached the owner and said, would it be possible for us to host our outdoor mass? This has been going on for decades. You know what Ryan, his name is Ryan. You know what he said when we asked him? It was beautiful. He said, it would be an honor to host the Catholic Church on my property. And so, spread the word. The outdoor mass this summer is back. Uh, it is back. Spread the word now because the tourists are starting to filter in. Now the weather is nice. Uh, people are going to be asking. So spread the word. And more details will follow. And as we approach uh, the summertime. And so, during summer, we have the outdoor mass again. It's a beautiful area. It's even more beautiful. We won't have that crazy guy that hated us. You remember if you ever been mass out there? There was a guy. Have you ever been there? Mass the in the summertime, we had a guy that hated the Catholic Church. And he would, coincidentally, I believe, right when we were having Mass, he would play his music. He would blast his, uh, his power washer, washing his house, his car, whatever noise he could irritate us with. And he would do that every Saturday because he, he hated my voice. So, so uh, we won't have him anymore. We have to worry about the deer, the bears, and the birds. So praise the Lord. Mass is back this summer. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Happy Easter, everybody. Happy Easter. Remember, we still, we're going to melt this all the way to Pentecost in a few weeks. Because remember, Easter is 50 days. And this beautiful teaching, again, I cannot express and to underline this point, how utterly baffling this teaching is that we hold. That Christ is bodily resurrected from the dead. This point again, our entire Western civilization, our Judeo-Christian roots, is built upon this fact that Christ is alive. Bodily. The tomb is empty. But the question now becomes, what difference does it make anyway? Especially our, our, our critics. You believe Jesus is raised from the dead? Who cares? Doesn't matter that the tomb is empty. Yes. And this point was hammered home on Friday nights. Many of you may have heard, but one of our, our longtime parishioners, I mean, they, they mostly went to Mass at the vigil time of the Fergulia family. I mean, you know the Fergulia family. But Nancy Fergulia passed away yesterday. Long battle. It was, it was expected. It was a long battle of illness and sickness. But on Friday evening, I was summoned to the house, in their house in Gray Eagle. It was beautiful. By the time I got there, Nancy was, well, she, was she, she wasn't conscious. And you ever been at the, at, the, at the deathbed of somebody, you can always tell our breathing changes when the, when the end is near. There's a certain sound of how we breathe at the end. And if you've been around a lot of people who, who die, you immediately recognize it. She was close. Her children had all, her, all of her children had come. They were all adult children. And it was beautiful. They were standing vigil in that home, waiting. They were waiting for me that evening on Friday when I walked in. And we crammed into this little room. It's a little room right off the living room. 
It was a tiny guest room, and Nancy was there. The, the whole family packed in like sardines into that room. And had the honor to give her the last rites. You see, if we all have this opportunity, this also will happen for all of us, God willing. Because again, we have no idea how we meet our end. But if God gives us the gift to have these final moments with our family and for the priest to come, a priest will be summoned to your deathbed. And I want to tell you, and I want you to hear what will happen when that time comes for you and I. Because more than likely, you'll be out of it by the time a priest comes. And I want you to hear the prayer that the priest will say over you. Because it's absolutely spectacular. So I walked into Nancy's room. And we began. I will lay my hands on her. And pray silently. The priest will do this for you as well. In that ancient gesture which comes from the apostles themselves, the priest will press his both hands firmly on the top of your head. And at this moment, no words are said. It is completely silent. But on Friday evening, the room was filled with the sound of tears, of course. And after a few moments, I'll, the priest will take the oil. You see the oils are in our ambry. In that corner there, I don't know if you've, you've uh, ever, ever noticed it, but in the very corner of the church there, there's a little glass case Contains three oils. The consecrated blessed oils by the bishop. And the oil for the sick will, will, will debut. And I want you to listen to the words that the priest will say over you and me. Listen. Taking the oil now, dipped into, on my thumb. I'll anoint your forehead. And I'll say these words. Through this holy anointing, may the Lord in his love and mercy help you with the grace of the Holy Spirit. Notice and ask yourself the question, why over your forehead? Do you recall that same gesture? Do you remember now in our, in our sacramental theology what happens the last time somebody anointed your forehead? Many of you may not remember because you were probably babies when this happened. But for you were baptized as adults, you remember. After you were still dripping wet from that blessed water, your baptism, the priest anointed your forehead, that same area. So that same gesture which began your, your, your eternal life, reborn into baptism now, at the beginning of your life, that same gesture now appears at the end of your life. That same spot that you were anointed, priest, prophet and king in Jesus Christ now returns. After the priest anoints you, we'll ask for your hands. Your hands will be laid out, palms open. Then I'll take that same oil and I'll draw the cross on the palms of your hands. And I'll say these words. May the Lord who frees you from sin save you and raise you. Raise you up. Then as the last rites continue, we now move to what's called the commendation of the dying. And these prayers now intensify. And I want you to listen to them now, now that we're still conscious. Huh? 
these are the prayers that will be said over you. And at this moment, if, if, if I have the honor and privilege of doing these prayers over you, I tend to yell. Even, you know, Muhammad, I yell at you. Right? I get really excited, that's why. That's why I'm always yelling. I get excited. And so at this moment, I tend to yell too. So I was standing over Nancy, and I was praying over her. And I said these powerful words, and you'll understand why I always, my voice kind of elevates. So I'm standing over her now, and I'm speaking to Nancy. Again, the room is packed with her children, all weeping at this point. And I said to Nancy, Go forth, Christian soul, from this world. In the name of God, the Almighty Father, who created you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who suffered for you. Do you see now why these powerful prayers here is utterly confident, isn't it? Because for, for many of us, death is utterly terrifying and mysterious. And it's at this point all the church shines through. Because now here we have to, she's literally at the threat, threshold of eternity. And we're now invoking, and we're calling upon the most powerful teachings of our church. And we say to her, daughter of God, go forth into darkness of death. Go forth confident now in the name of Jesus Christ who created you. And now, going back to the prayers, listen. You'll hear these words for yourself. In the name of the Holy Spirit who was poured out upon you, go forth, faithful Christian. May you live in peace this day. And may your home be with God and Zion, with Mary, the Virgin Mother of God, with Joseph, all the angels and saints. You see, now what happens here? Why this powerful prayer is utterly profound at this particular moment? Because as we all know, when we stand before the threshold of death, it can feel utterly lonely. And we wonder what's on the other side. As faithful Christians, our faith tells us, you know who's present there? Our own mother, Saint Joseph, all the angels, all of the saints, this is probably billions of people who are waiting. And it is through these powerful prayers now that we send forth Nancy and all of us. And the last words now. I want to share with you the last words that you will hear over you. This is the final. It's called the apostolic pardon. Remember, Jesus Christ gave his priests the authority to forgive sins. And it's a powerful gift. I have the audacity, even through all my weakness, to forgive your sins. And it's utterly profound. Not because I'm smart or intelligent or holy, but rather because God, Christ himself, gave this gift. And these are the last words, which concludes the last rites. The priest now will pray over you again. And you'll hear these words. Through the holy mysteries of our redemption, may Almighty God release you from all punishments in this life and in the life to come. May He open to you the gates of paradise and welcome you to everlasting joy.
Those are the last words you'll hear. Do you hear the utter confidence that we have as Christians? It is the same confidence now which our Lord reveals to us powerfully in the gospel. He now appears to the disciples, or utterly, it says here, startled and terrified. And notice what Jesus does here. He emphasizes that it is truly and bodily him, that he is not just a ghost. Why is that a key thing? Because in the first century, just like it is today, there were many views about what happens after death. There's a notion, oh, that when we die, and this is a popular one, you die, boom, you're done. You're worm food. That existed in the first century as well. But what also existed too was a notion that your spirit would, would leave your body and it would go to a dark, shadowy place. This was especially prevalent in Greek and Roman mythology. And then there was the other notion, what happens after death. The notion that our bodies leave, or our souls leave our bodies, and we enter into some form of paradise. Socrates, Plato thought about this. The Pharisees themselves, the Jews had this notion. So there's all this different notion of what happens after death. Christ reveals to us that we get our bodies back. We die, our, our souls leave, and at the final judgment, when all things are finally brought to an end, you and I receive our glorified bodies. And the Lord emphasizes this because you notice he says he shows his hands and his feet. Why? He shows them holes in his palms, holes in his feet. In order to tell them that the same body that was hanging on the cross has now been transformed <coughs> into the beautiful resurrected body of Jesus. And as if they did not understand yet, notice what our Lord does here next. He eats fish. <coughs> Why is Jesus eating here? They must have been already terrified. Why, why is the, the new Jesus eating fish? Because emphasizing the body is critical. The same bodies which cause us tremendous anxiety and pain and suffering now becomes transformed. Remember when we were young and beautiful, especially if you're good looking, we love our bodies, don't we? And then as we get older, we tend to have a more complicated relationship with our bodies. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, we get our bodies back, but newly transformed. Christ says, look, I'm eating fish. <laughs> and in the same confident proclamation which Peter himself now boldly proclaims, and is the same message of the Easter joy that we say to the whole entire world, Notice the transformation of Peter. Peter, who a few days, remember, he was cowering in fear when he was found out to be a disciple of Jesus. He ran away and abandoned our Lord. Look at the other transformation that he has in the first reading. Look at what he says here. He's speaking to the crowd. And remember, at this time, you could have been arrested to be Christian. In fact, they were arresting many of us, throwing us into jail. And so Peter now is proclaiming to the same crowd that has the authority to arrest him and throw him into prison. And he says to their faces, Probably pointing, remember. You, Peter says now, boldly, oh, look at, this, look at this Christian now. You denied the righteous and holy one. You asked him to be turned over to the Roman authorities, our very enemies. You denied him, 
the God of, our, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, who glorified our servant Jesus, you turned him over to death. Do you see what Peter is doing? See the boldness that he has now. To the very crowd that has authority to kill him. He doesn't care at all. Why? Because our Lord is risen. He cuts them to the heart. And he says to them, but now, he's not trying to criticize them, but he says, even despite all that we did, our Lord now has raised us up. Who suffered for us. And then the key to receive this gift. Peter boldly says, and is present in all three readings. The Acts of the Apostles from St. John in the second reading and the Gospel. The way we access this precious gift, what Christ has done, is metanoia te. Repent. Turn away from our sins. Follow the Lord. Nancy repented. The saints repent. You and I are called to repent. And that is why the fact that now Christ has won for us this and allowed us to repent. That I confidently went into that room on Friday evening, by the way. The family were there present last night at the vigil mass. Again, crying, of course. They've lost their mother. Ah, but there was hope. The same confidence that we have in Jesus Christ who has been bodily risen from the dead. Go forth, faithful Christian. In the name of God the Father who created you. In the name of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that was poured forth upon you. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit.